Hey, everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes a Goal podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today I'm joined by Dustin Nickerson. Who's that? I'm so glad that you asked. Dustin Nickerson is a comedian who has performed in over 300 shows a year. That's what his average is. 300 shows a year, that's a ton of shows. His videos have been viewed over 20 million times, and he has appeared on Comedy Central, Hulu, Fox, and Netflix alongside Kevin Hart. His debut book, How to Be Married to Melissa, just came out. He has been married to his high school sweetheart, Melissa, which makes sense as the title of the book, for over 17 years. And together, they host the popular Don't Make Me Come Back Their podcast in between raising their three children. They live in San Diego, California, and we're actually friends. Don't you love when that happens, when your friends are hilarious? Well, Dustin is my friend, and he's hilarious. Jenny and I went and saw him when he came here to Nashville. He played a sold-out show, his first major sold-out show at Zany's here in Nashville. It was so fun to see him. I can't wait for you to hear this interview, but first, a quick message about the sponsor of today's episode. If you love All It Takes is a Goal, this podcast you're listening to right now, You'll love my weekly newsletter, Five Ideas a Shot About. Every Friday, I send out five ideas that'll help you accomplish more of the goals that matter to you the most. You'll get everything from leadership tips to book recommendations to playlists to stories about my incessant need for queso and so much more. Whatever you're working on, whether it's writing a book, launching a business, getting in shape or anything in between, I want you to have everything you need to cross the finish line and I want you to have a ton of fun getting there. Signing up for the newsletter is totally free and takes approximately five seconds. Just go to acuff.me slash newsletter. That's it. That's A-C-U-F-F dot M-E backslash newsletter. All right, let's jump into my interview with Dustin Nickerson. Dustin, I'm so glad we get to do this podcast. I think it's going to be hilarious. No pressure, but hilarious. Oh, I'm, I feel all the pressure in the world right now. You can see it and feel it. Everything yeah. that I'm putting out is I'm terrified. You it's know, palpable. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I just wanted you to know I use that word sometimes. Um, palpable. Yeah. 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 And you really pronounced it. You really kind of hit every emphasis yeah. you could on it. It felt arrogant the way you said it. Oh, thank you. That's weird. I thought you were going to say great. I'm not yeah. arro- arrogance, a weird compliment, but uh, you live on the West Coast, so I don't know how you guys talk to each other out there. We don't throw around those kind of big words. Yeah. Are you are you packing bags right now to move to Nashville or is that you're, you're not doing that? No. Who wants to live no. in Nashville? Everybody wants to oh live in Nashville. Gosh. No, Everybody. absolutely not. Oh, that is so no. funny. Nashville's is- fine. I love that. You, you, are you asking me to move to the basic white girl capital of the world? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Easy, easy. San Diego. If Nashville had a catchphrase, it'd be, yes, that's <laughs> it. That's everything. I've, I like Nashville a lot. Lots of like, A's, lots of S's. I like old Nashville. I grew up listening to like uh, old, like outlaw country with my yeah. redneck dad. And that's what I want. I mean, for goodness sake, I got a Johnny Cash hatch right behind me, right? Uh, I mean, I know your family is on, you know, had show prints, but, you know, yeah. I, I have to settle for Johnny Cash. But uh, then the, whenever I was in, in Nashville like a month ago and we we're just cruising down Broadway because I was doing a show there and you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't I don't like any bit of this. 
That's so funny. Were you so, playing? No. Were you down there during the day or the night? Because it doesn't matter. It was at night. Yeah, I was gonna say it, was at night. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't. I didn't Trick know question. Change that much? Yeah. I, Trick uh, question. So no, I'm, I'm I'm very happy out in San Diego. How often are you out on the road right now for comedy? Every weekend. Every weekend. I okay. you know it's very fitting, um, being my uh who you are and 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 uh you know the what you uh speak about and uh and and the influence that you've had on my life particularly uh, your book hustle is very fitting that i'm on your podcast in a day i'm in my home right now but i woke up in a different state today and have mm. already traveled 1200 miles and get home have a cup of coffee with my wife and get on a podcast. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That feels, that feels, because it's a Monday. We're recording this on a Monday. Were you this weekend with Nate Bargatze? Do I have that yeah. right? So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was with Nate in okay. Vancouver, Spokane, and Bellingham. So the Northwest, which is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And though I suppose that's the Southwest for Canada. And, uh, and then I had uh, my own date on the Sunday in the South Seattle area. So in my mind, that's when comedians go to work. On, you know, I mean, obviously, we're always working and making content and podcasts and stuff like that. But in the same way that I think most people, you know, work up, wake up and go, hey, I go to work on Monday, around Thursday or Friday, I get on a plane and around Sunday or Monday, I come home usually. Yeah. So I do about 300 shows a year. 300 shows a year. How long have you been working on it? What was what was kind of the genesis of it? Like, how did you get started? Because I think there's a lot of yeah. people that love comedians. They don't just get to talk to comedians and go, okay, what was that? Sure. That's a goal. Like, I know you and a bunch of other other comedians that I that I love work really hard at the craft, at the process, mm-hmm. at the selling your shirt outside after the yeah. club. Like, yeah. there's all these millions of little things. Yeah. Um. So give us the genesis of okay, I think I can be a comedian. Yeah, so I've been at it for 10 years now. I was a late starter. I was 27 when I started. I had a whole life before comedy. I was married. I am married. I had two kids at the time. Um, but I, you know, I'm the Comedy Central generation. I grew up watching stand-up, absolutely in love with stand-ups. Comedy is the only thing that's ever really made sense to me and helped me make sense of things. It's, mm-hmm. I, I, it's therapeutic. I love it. I love to laugh. And I would watch stand-up comedians just obsessively. But you don't know how to start that. And it's mm-hmm. weird to start it, especially when I got married young, had kids young. And about um, uh, 10 and a half years ago, we my family moved uh, from Seattle to San Diego. And it was kind of just like a reset and I had always just wanted to try it, almost like a bucket list thing, you mm-hmm. know? And I just looked up a local comedy club, Open Mic, uh, here in San Diego. And uh, the great thing about stand-up comedy is a lot of people think they want to do it. And you will know your first time whether or not you want to keep wanting to do it. And the only way to get good at stand-up is to do stand-up. There is no... There's no other thing you can do to help it. There's nothing. There's, I mean, of course you write, but you have to go perform it because mm-hmm. it's a feedback business. It's, is it funny? And so no matter what you do, if you are not getting on stage at performing stand-up comedy, you're not getting better at it. So uh, I just, uh, for me, it was a hook. I was like, this is it. I did three minutes. I told one story about having to wrestle a girl when I was in junior high as a junior high wrestler. Uh, I told, I got a laugh at 90 seconds. I got a laugh at the end. Mm -hmm. And 
I just started doing it. I was like, I'm, this is just a part of who I am now. I wanted to be that. I wanted my identity to be stand-up comedian. What's a joke you were sure was going to kill that did not kill? <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, where do you even start on that one? Uh, there's so many. Um, or a thought you were like, this story will be really relatable. And then you could tell no one in the audience was going to go along with it. Or it was a, a really clever line yeah. that you were like, oh, this is going to get them. And yeah, they do it. yeah. You know, there there are premises and their ideas. Um, I've been trying to get this bit working right now. I've been trying it like I've tried it probably 40 times. Mm-hmm. And it's about how when I was in middle school, we're back to middle school, um, I had terrible acne, I had really bad acne. And uh, I got sent to an acne clinic like this was, and I was like, we're the ugliest waiting room you'd ever seen, right? <laughs> and I had a friend in there who was like, Dustin, you can't even be here. Your acne isn't that bad. And I go, oh, that's because you haven't seen my back. And I think that's so funny. I think yeah. it's, but everyone's like, it's gross, I think. Yeah. And people are like, and it's also sad. And I think yeah. it's so funny. I'm like, don't feel bad for me. I'm the yeah. one telling this story. Yeah, it's my you know? back. It's my back. I've got the <laughs> scars, you know, like, and it, but that's an example of a joke that I, I really, I think that there is a nugget there that is so funny. And I yeah. just, I want to be able to get people to laugh at it, but for the life of me, does it bomb? <laughs> That's so funny because you will carry an idea for years. I mean, Gary Goldman wrote the state abbreviations bit for like seven or eight years. Like he Mm -hmm. crafted that like clinician over and over and over and over. So you, you go do the three minutes and then what's the process? Is it you come home, tell your wife, you're like, by the way, I'm a stand-up comedian now. Or is it, (laughs) you've got a full-time job that makes money. And then on the side, you're trying to turn three minutes into five minutes into 15. Well, the good news is I had not been particularly successful at anything in my life up to that point. Uh, wasn't, there wasn't a lot of money to leave? I mean, exactly. It was yeah. like, sure, yeah. I mean, uh, as much as middle management at the rec center is killing it right now, yeah. uh, maybe maybe there's something here. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I just told my wife, like, I, I loved it. I want to do it again. Mm-hmm. It was more like that. Like, I just, I want to do this again. And then it just kind of slowly... Um, started to pick up more and more. But my wife is an artist, and so she gets the desire part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. she gets the the desire to create and make things. I, I a lot of people will say this, and uh, we talk about this in the book. Uh, but we a lot of people will look at our our lives and go like, I could never do that. And I always go like, You're right. You're not supposed to. <laughs> like, it's not yeah. for you. But my do wife something can. different. Yeah, exactly. And I can't, and I look, I look at people who have 40, 50 hour a week desk jobs and I go, I could never, and not mm-hmm. only could I never, I already have left that. I know I cannot do that. Yeah. You've I checked that ne- box. Oh, never again. It's, it's not a yeah. fit for me. So, uh, you know, it, so it just kind of progressed. And that's the nice mm-hmm. thing about making comedy is it's a, it's a milestone type industry where you go from no money to, okay, well, it paid for your gas money and now it's your grocery money. And then, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this paid rent this month or, you know, we can yeah. uh, pick it up along the way. What are the milestones that you think through? So is it, okay, I'm, 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 I'm an opener, I'm a middle, right. I'm headlining, headlining my own shows. Now I'm in theaters. Like right. what are the milestones in the ladder of comedy success? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of what you just said. I think when I first started, I was I would track more of those. More and more, I don't set a lot of hard goals because mm-hmm. my business is one full of gatekeepers and mm-hmm. tastemakers, and I never want to leave my goals in other people's hands. And mm-hmm. so, if I want to do the Tonight Show, that's not up to me. That's not up yeah. to Jimmy Fallon. That's mm-hmm. not up to NBC. That is up to one guy. There is one human on this planet who can give you the Tonight Show. So having that as a goal, yeah. having it as an aspiration is one thing, but having sure. it as a goal makes no sense to me. So my goals are more how many shows, how hard I'm going to work, how, many, how much content am I going to make, how much do I want to see things grow, yeah. all things that are totally within my hands. But the milestones are, are just that. The first milestone was, to, to, to get on stage as much as I could. And then the next one was to be a professional comic. I've only other goals I've ever really had are to be mm-hmm. a professional comic for this to be my job or like milestones. Um, uh, and then after that, we're like, I want to go into every city and play their best club and then progress to uh, the point where when I'm there playing that venue, 80% of the people are there to see me. They're not yeah. there on bogo comp night or they're not there on yeah. you know it's my birthday i got free tickets um you know they're there they are dustin nickerson fans and mm-hmm. uh but that's a that's that that's a good thing that uh, that takes a while to grow and and that's a good thing that it takes a while to grow yeah the if it didn't you would be in front of a lot of people discovering you're not good Exactly. That's exactly That's not right. what you want where somebody goes, no. hey, we're just going to put, we want 5,000 people to find out tonight oh, that you yeah. haven't honed your craft. And you oh, go yeah. out and, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly the opposite of you want. Like, no, we've heard of him. We, exactly. A bunch of us saw name. him. Yeah, we know <laughs> the name. We've seen the show. I love that though, about the goals you can control versus the ones you don't, because in my industry, it's, People say, I want to hit the New York Times bestsellers list. That's my goal. And I'll say, that's a great aspiration. It's not a good goal because you don't control right. that. Right, like, exactly. That, you don't, that's not within your control. So you're going to be miserable if you make that the thing. Right, Because right. you don't have any control over that. But writing a book can be a goal. But yeah. how many people buy it? That's not really up to you. And and, no. and with the New York Times bestseller, uh, when they buy it, where they buy it, you know, the time frame, all that kind of stuff, that's totally yeah. outside of your control. And I just think you're setting yourself up for, uh, you know, some inevitable disappointment in that scenario. Because and, mm-hmm. and, and I can talk to people. I know a lot of people who have achieved what other people's goals are. And that kind of takes some of the allure and some of the shine off of a little bit because they know, you know, this wasn't actually merit-based always. It wasn't always talent-based. It Sometimes there really is a dumb luck to these things. Yeah. And uh, so it's, I, I, I feel maybe it's because I have, maybe it's uh, because I'm, um, you know, I, I'm, reasonable and I have, I'm, I'm very wise about these things or I'm just incredibly controlling. <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the two, yeah. one of the, one of the two. But yeah. I think, I think there is that sense, the two of when you've met people that have achieved something and you realize it didn't automatically change their whole life right. instantly. So yeah. they go, yeah, I did the tonight show. And the next day I got a bagel. Um, yeah, yeah, nobody, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
nobody was like, I need your autograph on my bagel. Like it yeah, didn't, yeah, they didn't give yeah. me an NBC deal the next day, which I was hoping yeah. would be the, the response. And on a, a more um, ethereal level, it didn't make them happy either. It's mm-hmm. uh, not always, but I mean, that's the Jim Carrey quote, right? I hope that everyone that wants to be rich and famous gets to be rich and famous. So they'll realize it doesn't make them happy. And yep. I, there's a really a lot of truth to that because I, I know people who get these opportunities and I've had these opportunities and the reality is it's, it's a lot of emotions. It is, there mm-hmm. is some happiness, but there's a lot of pressure and it's hard to be happy when you're under pressure, mm-hmm. you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm getting this opportunity right now. Yeah. And then, and then in this business too, then a lot of time these goals, you're making something and now you have to worry about how it's received. And that's mm-hmm. just a whole new set of worries too. Like I yeah. have a new bit that I'm doing about like cyberbullying. And I used to think that like cyberbullying was a, a joke. And then when you start posting content online, you're like, oh no, this is way worse than normal bullying. <laughs> it's, it's so yeah. much worse. I'd rather yeah. get shoved in a locker than get this, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's so, so good. The joke I always do is nobody criticized how I set my cubicle when I worked at Auto Trader. Right, like nobody, right. strangers in Topeka, <laughs> Kansas weren't like, have you seen this guy, John Acuff, oh. who's a senior content designer at Auto Trader? Terrible, yeah. <laughs> terrible what he does. Yeah. And then like you create a book and all of a sudden, or you create a podcast or whatever the vehicle is, you you do start to get some of that. So you, I think some of what you're saying is, you have to love the craft of it because you're mm-hmm. going to spend so much more time in the craft of it than you yeah. will in the result of it. So yeah. for you, what does craft look like when it comes to being a comedian, creating content, creating a life right. that's unique? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think that the healthiest place that a comedian can always get them back to is you, you are not primarily, um, well, it's almost like 50-50. And that you are in it for love of the game and for love of the craft, mm-hmm. but it's also you're in it to because you love making people laugh. Yeah. I think it still at its root has to be about the laugh, and I think that that's why stand-up comedy really sits right there in the middle of the Venn diagram of art and entertainment because we are show business. And mm-hmm. yes, I don't. I I'll never. I don't like comedy getting too self-important or grandiose or like we suffer for our art or anything like that because we are we are in uh we sit down with audiences with a social contract agreeing to ha-has that's what we're doing i'm here to make you laugh that's what we're doing so i try and stay rooted in that but then the actual craft is very fun i really really love doing stand-up comedy i i i like the process of the genesis of an idea that there's something there that I think is funny. And how does that translate to, I'm not trying to make you laugh at, at first. I'm trying to see, do people resonate with this premise? Like I just, an idea that I've been working the last week or two about, you know, um, how old are you? I'm 37. I'm 46. Okay. So similar, like we are a generation that was never given the tools of how to deal with our emotions properly. We were not, we just didn't, we, but like we're a generation that needs therapy, but doesn't fully trust therapists. And so mm-hmm. we're in this like weird content. And so I'm just like, okay, there's something there. 
where I want to talk about, you know, what it's like being a dad in that. And, and so I want to build and build and, and can I get people to relate with this premise? And uh, that's just so fun to me. And then you mm-hmm. take that idea, you write down some baits, you practice it in your head. I talk to myself all day long. That's mostly mm-hmm. what I do. I'm just kind of practicing the rhythms. And is that funny or throw it out there or, or throw out a tweet or an idea or an Instagram story or people engaging with this in some way mm-hmm. or TikTok or something like that. And and then take the stage and just craft and craft and craft and craft and craft it. It's, it's, a, it's like chiseling down type thing. It mm-hmm. For me, it always starts longer. And then you're like, oh, I got this great new five minute thing. And then by the end, it's like, that's 90 seconds. You have a 90 second. Yeah. Because you're just trimming the fat off of all of it, you know. Yeah. I The time I did Zanies years ago, yeah. I told my buddy at Comedy Central, I was doing a 60 minute set. And he said, you know what else is good is a really tight 15. <laughs> um, and he's a comedy central executive. Yeah. And I was like, that is true slash hurtful. Yeah. Um, and, but he's, but he's right. Like that idea of you're removing things. It's, I mean, I heard Nate, we, we went out to dinner after that show, me and a couple other people. Cause I know a lot of famous comedians clearly yeah. like I'm with, I'm playing racquetball with carrot top regularly. There you go, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think mean, you're uh, losing. That guy's jacked. Yeah, I know. I think he's still pretty jacked. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Nate told the story of his being confused with somebody's elderly wife when he was changing his shirt in the parking lot. Like that's one of his bits. And he told it longer. Yeah. Olivia, he told it longer. And then he whittled when I saw him do it on stage, it was 30 seconds. Like where a lot of comedians would have, I think spent four minutes on it really kind of like too much fluff, too much, you know, content. How are you removing stuff? Like how are you making sure your thoughts are lean and they're to the point? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not, um, that's why it's important to perform it live because I know how long it has been since I have last made an audience laugh. That I, that, that's how it goes lean is I go, I've said too many sentences without a punchline. Uh, that's how the I The gap know. is too big. The gap, the gap is, is too big. big. Yeah, yeah. There, we're, it's, I'm supposed to, at most, I'm supposed to go 20 seconds without a a laugh you know like and and but the way i like to do it is i'm hitting i mean at max two to three sentences for a setup like i kind of try the way that i i try and write bits is like i'll get into a premise with maybe three four sentences and then it's just punchline 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 breathe reset Mm -hmm. you know so i some of it's just a um it's a defense mechanism of like, I, I will not let this crowd, I will not, yeah. I'm going to machine gun them. I'm not going to let them stop paying attention to me. I'm going to stay on top yeah. of it. And I, and I'm not like a, I'm not a super high energy comic, but I'm not like a low dry guy. Either, no, no. You know? yeah. Again, that's, that's why the live is so important because you know, I mean, the longer you go up there without a laugh, you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I got to start running some hits for these guys. Yeah, it feels gotta, like an eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you'll, you'll lose them all together. You'll, if yeah. you go too long without a laugh, they'll just write you off because they, you know, they're like, this isn't what I signed up on for. You're supposed to be funny. You're not making. I thought me laugh. this was a comedy club. The, the exactly. name of the building said bananas. <laughs> hey, I don't know why? I know. You know, why? Why is the name funnier than the comic? <laughs> you never, you never want that. So I got to see you. Maybe it was. It's been a year almost now. Um, when you came to Nashville, yeah, and it was yeah, yeah. fantastic. You Thanks, absolutely man. killed. It was that crowd you wanted, where it was. 
I would say 95% of people there were there for you. Like my first felt, sellout. That was my, yeah, very, it was, that was my first career sellout. Yeah. It was fantastic. Who are the comedians you'd say, okay, these are the people I looked up to when I was coming up. Um, when I was younger, these are the people that like yeah. I, I look to now and go, oh, wow, they are really dialed in. This is interesting to me. Because I think anyone who's listening, regardless of the industry they're in, what they're working on, they're looking at other people going, okay, how could I do something like that? We all have like a set of people that we kind of track with. Who are you tracking with? Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, it was, uh, Dana Carvey was my favorite comic and I, it was just so playful and silly and joyful. And, and I, you know, I remember just being like, this guy is just in total control up there. And, but I watched so much stand up as a kid. It was, I remember all the old comedy central ones, the, the Nick Swartzons, the Kathleen Madigan's, the Wanda Sykes, like Dane Cooks. I had them like memorized. I, and, and when I meet these guys today, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm in this room with you guys, you know? Um, so though, as a kid, it was, it was so, I mean, the list is too long, but Dana Carvey was my very favorite comic. And then the first comedy show that I ever went to was when I was at the University of Washington, and it was Mike Birbiglia was headlining, and uh, Doug Benson was the middle, and then some little fresh-faced kid named John Mulaney was the host. The host. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The host. It, the host, yeah. It was like a 10-minute set. And I like latched onto Mulaney immediately and yeah. just followed his career the whole way. And I still do all the day. He's still one yeah. of my, I, I saw him three months ago here in San Diego and I've, I've watched him and, and, and those Berbigley and Mulaney certainly for sure. And, you know, I definitely like, I watch a lot of like the clean comics and what their moves are, mm-hmm. you know, like Gaffigan and Nate and, and working with Nate is unbelievable. Cause you, you have to kind of, keep the fanboy stuff at bay you know yeah. he's just in the zone he's so dialed in right now yeah like, yeah and you can't you gotta you gotta play it cool as the opener like you're just another comic when you're like oh my gosh well, there's nate you know yeah um but i love i just love comedy david tell david tells funny i i cry laughing every time i watch him and um uh gosh i'd such an it i still think kathleen madigan's probably one of my favorites and i don't know i just the industry is so um we, you know, Hollywood is kind of losing its grip in a lot of ways, which is um, both encouraging and discouraging. Like, there's not a clear path anymore. In as you mean, social media, as other forms, like your Tim Dillons, your other people build yeah. many oh, yeah. empires that they don't need the gatekeeper the same way. Exactly. Yeah. You really, you don't need it at all. And, yeah. and, and not only do you not need it at all, a lot of time going down that route isn't even the smartest route. Like, if, I always say this where I'm at in my career. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not uh, a nobody, uh, but I'm I'm not not somebody. You know, <laughs> like yeah. I'm not a big thing, but I'm not not a thing either. And yeah. I've had probably, if I think back about the videos that I posted online, I've probably posted 20, 30 videos in my comedy career that have gotten more views than any Tonight Show gets. Like that's what I mean. Which this, is wild. Which it's actually savvier to spend more time on the internet mm-hmm. because the internet plays everywhere all the time. You know, like back when I was touring with, with, with John, you know, it was like, uh, you know, we, I was joking. I was like, dude, if I get put in one of your Instagram stories, that's going to give me a bigger uptick mm-hmm. than if I, uh, if I go on Colbert. So yeah. it really is. 
that's a good thing, but it's also a very challenging thing because you don't know the path anymore. You just you just have to kind of find your online voice in in a in a sense as well. Which uh, so what I, what I, all that to say, there are you mentioned Tim Dillon. You look at someone like Trevor Wallace. Um, you know these guys who have just built up massive online followings, and you try and kind of glean from each of them. And it, you and then I also try very hard, like not to be in um, to learn from them, but not to just be an imitator to, to try and find, I mean, probably the biggest influence on me in that regard is, is Kevin Fredericks, Kev on stage. She produced Mm -hmm. my special and like, he's a good friend. I, I, and, and he is just like a mogul. I mean, he's built the Mm -hmm. Kev on stage studios. He makes his own stuff and it's, Mm -hmm. it's, that's, that's the era that we're in right now. Do you feel a pressure around that? Because I, you know, I'm not a comedian by any stretch of imagination. No, but you're funny. Yeah. I write books and I focus. Well, humor for me in a corporate speaking, I recognized ten years ago that's a niche. Um, like because oh, okay. I'll never be able to out research Jim Collins, but I oh, can funny. I could definitely use humor. But for me, I do feel a sense of pressure of like I'm not enough places all at once, always. Like you know, like you create some like oh man, that why is that not also on TikTok and on like Smellagram? It's a new service that. It's great for smell. Like there just feels like there's so much content to create that sometimes I feel beyond like behind the eight ball on it. Do you feel a pressure for that? Do you feel like, wow, I've got this wide range of tools available? Is it somewhere in the mix? What do you feel about that? I feel an immense pressure on that constantly. Yeah. I feel every day uh, a pressure on that to, to get on. I, I, um, uh, I had coffee with Birbiglia when we were in Chicago and he said that he feels like, sometimes he feels like 10% of his job is stand-up comedy and 90% of job his job is marketing his stand-up comedy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there is a real truth to that. Yeah. Um, it's actually, there's a thing going viral today on Instagram about musicians talking about the pressure that their labels are putting on them to make TikToks, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's a reality but it it isn't a burden. That's what I have to tell myself. Like it is, it is a job, and nobody mm-hmm. likes every aspect of their job. And this, I did not get into comedy because I loved um, making TikToks that didn't exist when I got into comedy. <laughs> um, but I do love the stage, and I want to advance my career. Mm-hmm. And there's always been versions of this. There's oh, like you may not love making TikToks, but you know what? Making late night sets isn't fun either. You know, just like Frankensteining your act and putting in mm. these five minute things and getting, you know, some nameless guy to approve a set for you and then transcribing it and sending it to NBC to, mm. so they can approve it. And, and you know, going through the rigmarole of that, like it's just, you know, every everyone likes driving the car, but somebody has to work on the car. Right. And mm. that's that's what a lot of it is for us is like this is, you know, this the these are all things that uh, are working towards achieving my goals. But um, I think the harder part is just more emotionally when it's not going well, because you just you know, there's, you know, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, podcast. So six social media things that I do. Mm. I engage with every single day. I'm engaging with those things. So six mm-hmm. things, meaning even when one is going well, I have five others to make me feel like a failure. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's so fun. That, yeah, it's great that this Instagram post is going well, but you should have double dipped it as a podcast episode too. And you're like, I, when, but I didn't know it was yeah. going to go well, and it didn't. Yeah, I had the same clip on Instagram get two million views, get eleven hundred views on TikTok. Where on TikTok, I have twice as many followers as Instagram. I mean, that's now I'm just <laughs> I just serve this this nameless entity of the Lord algorithm and just <laughs> hope that it works out for me. So <laughs> you, you, you don't, it's uh, it's very, it's very maddening in that way, you know? But I do like the idea of, you're right. There's always been, every job has that and you're getting right. to do something that gives you such joy. And, and same with me, like same, you know, like there's so many parts of it that I'm like, I can't believe I get to do this. I just think it's helpful to talk to other people that are creating content. Cause I think from the outside, people sometimes think, Oh, I saw your videos and I'd love more. And it looks like you love making them and they're super easy. And they come off like that was just off the hip. Just yeah. I'm constantly like, and I know on the back end, it's like, I've recorded something 11 times. Yep. And now yep. I can't say that word. Because yeah. now I'm nervous I'm going to say it wrong again. <laughs> and I have to rewrite the whole yeah. bit. Yeah, what you didn't seem is walking around the airport like a crazy person, just talking into uh, a yeah. thing, doing a joke that took me 11 tries. And, yeah. then, and then realizing there was a, um, a typo in the captions. And you're oh gosh, when, yeah. which hashtag do I use? And all yeah. But I, I will say that that is why it is incredibly valuable to talk to other, because I have found that creators at every level feel the same way, every level. And I remember mm. for years, you know, I used to tour with John Christ. And I remember he told me one time, he said, if I knew how to make a viral video, every single video would be viral. Yeah. And, and, and I, there's a real truth to that. And, and at every top level creator that they, they all feel the same thing, you know, it just, the, the scale starts to, um, starts to change and, and whatever stage you're at, there's somebody that you are so jealous of and you wish they were them. And, and, and there's a bunch of people that wish that about you too. They're not even thinking about being the person that you're wishing you were. They're like, that's yeah. unreason. I, I should never even aspire to that. But they look at what John has or what Dustin has and they go, oh, gosh, I would love to have that. And we're like, well, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not no, sure. It, I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. Well, like, you know, The Rock wasn't happy with the Jungle Cruise numbers. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. he yeah. wasn't like, oh, that no problem. That like, yeah, he thought he got those reports like he, you know, there's yeah. always there's always a pressure regardless of what level you're at. There is. And when you get there, it doesn't always feel as satisfying as you thought. Uh, Billy Corgan, the lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins, you know, as a kid who grew up in Seattle in the nineties, I've got plenty of punk rock in me when he was on Rogan, he told this story about um, just that idea of, of, you know, when you get to the top, it doesn't always resonate or feel, and you don't even know what to do. And he told the story of when Melancholy and Infinite Sadness, when it hit number one, his agent calls him and he goes, it looks like you guys are going to hit number one. And he goes, is there anything higher? Because <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. he didn't know. He's like, you spent yeah. your whole career yeah. trying to climb. And then what I always think about, I talk to, I tour a lot with Taylor Tomlinson and I always talk about the other thing is no one tells you when you're at the peak of your career. Because yeah. every comedian ever comes back down. But they yeah. never tell you when you have peak and <laughs> yeah. like, is it. So every video, you're like, well, uh, I guess it's over. I guess, I guess, <laughs> yeah. 
I got my <laughs> so, thing. I got. I didn't my, know. I didn't yeah. know that I'm on the downslide. I know. I'm, I'm now irrelevant. I'll do like senior PGA tour, whatever yeah, that exactly. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever the comedy circuit is. Yeah, that's hilarious. Go find some old people in some it's old cruise cities. ships. That's what it cruise is. Cruise ships. Yeah, <laughs> time, time to take to the seas. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. No more land gigs. Uh, the water. <laughs> no more, no more. Eventually, you have to move to water. Yeah. That's the progression. You start on land, you move yeah, to water, you and maybe to you go out to sea. So, switching gears, you've talking about creating. You've created a new book. You and your wife um, wrote a book called "How to Be Married to Melissa." Um, mm-hmm. It's your debut book. She's mm-hmm. your high school sweetheart. Got married. Been married for over seventeen years. You have a popular mm-hmm. podcast. Um, don't make me come back there. She's really funny as well. It's definitely. I don't want to give the sense that there's like a funny person and a, and a straight man. Like she's hilarious as well. Yeah. What makes you even want to write a book? Because it is a different medium. Yeah. It is a different craft. Uh, pandemic. Uh, yeah. That was mainly. <laughs> you guys had that out west. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, two years of not being able to do my job. That was one of the yeah. main reasons. Uh, no, that's not entirely true. So I, my, my background is in writing. Once upon a time, I was uh, down the path of being a journalist and uh, I've always loved writing. And I thought that, you know, before I got into standup, um, much like you, though, not to your levels of success, I had like a comedy blog, you know, like mm-hmm. I just like writing and the writing part of comedy came much more naturally to me than the performing uh, and still working on the performing. But the writing part is, uh, is I, I love writing. And the, one of the things about the internet is you just never know who's watching. And I, I because I wasn't a, kind of the shackles of live performance I had been freed from during the mm-hmm. pandemic. And I just started posting so much content online. Like I was like, I have to, this is the, now's the time. I'm going to learn yeah. how to video edit. I'm going to find my voice on here. I'm going to talk about the things that I want to talk about. I had a big, I had a big, I lost a ton of followers because I was pretty outspoken on a couple of social issues. Yeah. Uh, but then it rebuilt to being the right followers, which mm-hmm. is beautiful. I talk about, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I go, you remember when people used to fight in my comments? They don't do it anymore. They ah, all, I miss it. I almost miss it. I love the drama. That's the uh, progression. Exactly. But uh, I mean, they do now, but when it gets found more organically, but um, but there was a there was a, a literary agent uh, who followed me. I didn't realize had followed me and had just approached me like, "Have you ever thought about writing a book?" And I go, "I've always I've, I've had this in the pocket book that I've wanted to write for a long time, which is how to be married to Melissa, because I just think that marriage books are such a crock. I think that mm-hmm. they're so, and you know this, especially in church circles where people will just come up and be like, "This is the book, man. This is." Just it's you know women want to be loved and men want to be respected and you're like what I want to be loved yeah. too <laughs> yeah, yeah. my wife's like I want to be respected what are you even talking about you know um, and I just think that the idea of I think marriage is very funny and it's very hard but it's also very hilarious um, and the the premise of a marriage book the the whole idea of it is so laughable to me so I thought what if we just write a marriage book we look at the most complicated issues in marriage the thing that causes most the tension mm-hmm. most the divorces money sex uh, kids in laws communication work life mm-hmm. balance faith all those kind of things and we're not even really giving much advice in it little tidbits but we're mostly saying mm-hmm. this is what it looks like for us and mm-hmm. because I'm a comedian and she's very funny as well. And we have the podcast. I was like, well, it's going to be a comedy book. Um, 
Mm. And so, yeah, that's the book. And, uh, it's, you know, you, did you, I'm sure you did the, uh, you did the audio for your own book. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I hadn't read it in a while and I went back and I was like, Oh, I, this is a good book. When we yeah, were, <laughs> yeah. it's always relieving when you yeah. go back and you're like, Oh yeah, this actually yeah. works. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like I was like, we had a couple times where we had to cut because the, the audio engineer was laughing. I was like, that's great. Uh, no, 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 that's keep doing that. Sign. Yeah. You're yeah. like, I, you know, I really, I, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm happy with how this uh, turned out, you know? So what that's, do you think uh, are the, the ridiculous parts of most marriage books? Like when you say like the, the, just the idea um, the, is it that they go, here's a huge bunch of solutions or like, yeah. it's a broad stroke. Like what's it's the, it's the big broad paint strokes that this yeah. is what this is like. And this is what men are like. And this is where men are from or where women are from. And they're so opposite. And this is the key. If I hear another couple tell me that the key to marriage is a date night, <laughs> I'm going I'm going to give up on relationships altogether. No, it's not. No, You're it's one, not. one time bowling away from true love. <laughs> I just don't know why you don't want to go bowling. They just, have so many cool bowling alleys now. Yeah. Yeah. And when you trash on date night, there's this like section of, of, uh, of couples that are like, no, 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 no. Like they would rather you, you, you make fun of Jesus than date night. Like, how oh, dare so you? The blasphemy that you would attack date night. You're like, is this what you, if that's what you need, that's great. But that's the point. That's for yeah. you. That's yeah. me and my wife don't, we, we hate eating out at dinners. We don't particularly like, we have things that we do and we love to do together. But the, yeah. uh, the, I, the idea of a forced date night, no, I go, I'd rather go lay down on train tracks than <laughs> schedule a weekly date night. But that's, yeah. that's the point is that I, everything is so formulaic. And I just, it, uh, I don't, I, I, it's not, of course, I'm, you know, there's hyperbole here. Of course, the marriage books have really helped some people. I, sure. of course, I believe that. But, you know, just really the idea of them in general is very, very silly to me. I don't, I don't like any type of solution that's supposed to fit everybody because everybody's different. So, exactly. like, when somebody says you should take cold showers, like I saw somebody the other day that was like, <laughs> you have to take freezing showers because it prepares you for hard things the rest of your day. I just thought that's like saying you could get punched today. So go ahead and punch yourself. <laughs> like, why would I, why would yeah. I start my day being yeah. like the rest of the day could suck. Let's get it yeah. started now. Do like, you understand like how, in, how happy I am during a hot shower? How much yeah. joy that brings me. Yeah. I have good ideas. I We have a thing in our house. I, it's in the book, actually. I talk about it. It's called Dad Spa, where I go take a hot shower. This is how this is an escape when you're a parent. Is you're like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to take an extra six minutes in the shower. That's yeah. what I'm going to Treat do. yourself. Treating yourself why real nice. I, yeah, I feel like, you know, Gaffigan has that bit about why people, when people walk up uh, escalators, like, what are you doing? This is one of the good parts of life. And I feel oh, the same way. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel the same way about why would you ruin a shower? This is a treat, you know? Yeah. It's the same idea. I was like, I mean, yeah, you could have celery and call it dessert. But, yeah. you know, that's not, no, no, no. Just take a warm shower. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You can be that level of kind to yourself um, yeah. to, have, to have a warm shower. What would you say was the hardest part of writing this book? I mean, it is a uh, the the hardest part about writing this book is the lack of instant feedback that stand up gives dude. you. Yeah, exactly. There's none, right? I mean, you you've written books and you just go like, do I just sit around and 
wait for a review or do I, I don't know if people are liking this and, and it seems like it's more like kind of trickles in, you know, I mean, like comedy is such a drug in that way. And that you're like, I mean, you get feedback immediately and the internet is similar too. I mean, they, the internet lets you know pretty quick whether or not they like it or yeah. not, you know, but not nothing like in, in, in person. So I think that's what it's been is just, you know, just, trudging through this 55,000 word dude project. it was 55,000 total yeah 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 that's a real deal book yeah yeah and uh and and going is this is anyone gonna like this is anyone i is this i i found myself being kind of needy to the editor of just going like tell me please tell me if this is any and, and when they gave you a morsel it was amazing oh yeah yeah, yeah they'd go like, good you. they'd go yeah. good by like a yeah. like on a yeah, track yeah. comments they'd go funny, funny. <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's uh that that is the hardest part the actual content itself like that's uh that that's not super hard for me that's kind of what i do right i mean in the i'm in the idea generating business and content and yeah. uh you know kind of constantly creating um but it would be harder to write a book right now because i have more dates on my calendar <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what's your process for writing are you are you a i always try to write in the mornings because that's when i'm freshest are you i'm not, i write whenever i can write in as many ways as i can write you know on the road on like i get inspired like when are you actually writing? What does that look yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would love it to be, um, um, uh, you know, when the muse hits. Um, and there is an element of that. There are times where I would be like with Melissa, or I'd be on the road doing something else, and I'd be like, I've got to, I got to go crank this mm -hmm. out right now, you know, or at least a skeleton version of it and come back to it later. Um, so there is an element of that, but I, I because I. Um, I can't, I can't be fully like disciplined in like, these are the blocks that I have to do it in because mm. I just, um, it's honestly, it's the ADHD. It's like, I can't, my body bristles at it, you know, yeah. but I do have to kind of find a balance between those two things, which is like, Hey, you're on a four hour flight right now. You have to do some of this, you know, yeah. or, you know, it's. You, I do find there's certain hours I'm more productive. My writing hours are usually later morning, early afternoon. That's kind of a sweet spot for me, you know. Um, but it is, it's pretty all over the place, honestly. It's its managing energy levels and schedules. I learned this along the way and I'd, I'd heard it in different things too. It, it really is just getting that crappy first draft done. Yep. It really is just, it, it's like the old Simpsons writer talked about that, right? He would, if if the, if his script was due on Thursday, he would finish the first version of it on Monday. He would just get it up to length. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't even worry about being any good. I just had to get it to length. I had to make this a 22-minute show. And then he goes, once I had done that, I had done the majority of the work. On Tuesday and Wednesday, I can punch this up. I can make it a little better. Yeah. I can tidy it up. And I'm, this, I'm a similar way. Like, just get that crap done. Mm -hmm. Chapter three, everything that you have to say about money on this. And then tidy it up and make it funny and move it around and stuff like that. And it's a similar process with the comedy. You're working on a premise, yeah, creating drafts, creating drafts, creating drafts, yeah. punching it up, testing yeah. it live, recreating. Yeah, the first thing stand up similar. And the first thing that I'm trying to do with stand up is find out if they resonate with the premise. That is the very yeah. first thing I'm trying to do. If I bring up an and you can feel it. You can, even if they don't laugh, you can feel 
Hmm. Like, oh, they wanted to get there with you. You just haven't built the bridge yet, you know? Um, And then there are other ones where you just bring up an idea and you're like, that is just too uniquely me. Yeah. Apparently you guys don't think or feel that. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. What is uh, one of your favorite bits that you do? Because I would say one of my favorite lines that you have, and I'm going to butcher it, which is terrible, but is when you said, you essentially say you didn't grow up poor or you didn't really grow up poor. You know how to ski. Like that, that line, that idea is so like, I think about that constantly oh (laughs) like that's one of those lines that stays with me what's one of your bits that you're like you know what this is one i really feel good about i think maybe my uh probably my favorite joke that i've ever written is about being married at 19 when when you get married at 19 uh well i how does the joke go i haven't told in a while because it's in the old hour um that joke is is in the new hour that that i'll tell you my favorite joke in a second but this creatively this might be interesting to the premise of that bit is that i don't like when people act like they grew up poor Mm -hmm. but you know them so you know better than like i grew up poor and you're like no you didn't you know how to ski like there's no but that wasn't in overwhelmed my first hour because it never found a home it was just kind of this like weird standalone one-off island idea. Yeah. So I've posted it as a clip before, but it's never lived in the hour. And now it's expanded to a much bigger idea about a tension that I have with my kids who have more money than I had growing up. And then I make fun of like how I think it's so insulting when rich people talk about being minimalists. Like it's so it's like, you're like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's so good. We, we didn't. Yeah, we were, we didn't, we were minimalist, but not by, cho- I would have loved to be a maximalist. I would have loved that, you know? <laughs> So that's, that's an idea. But that's again, that's a joke I wrote a long time ago. And now it's a bit right now. It's just not yeah. a joke. Um, but it found the, a fuller home. It found that's a fuller so home. And it, and I think it fits into the bigger idea of this new hour and so on and so forth, which has to How get, long is that say, that bit like now? Is it like now? Like- well, because now it's like now it's in the chunk that leads up to the closer. So it lives in like a six minute bit now. Ah, that's awesome. You know, and that's really what a lot of it is for me is just grabbing all these different things and then, and uh, okay, this can go here and this can go here and this go here and this. And then that's, you know, like I, I launched my, my headlining tour starts in June and I spend, you know, my 50 dates or whatever, hashing out this hour and then you record again in the fall and then you reset, you know, that yeah, it lives in a much larger bit right now. But it is an idea that uh, people that I was so happy that people resonated with that idea. That idea. Oh, it's you know? instant! It's instant! It yeah. really. It's <laughs> but so it took good. a while. But that my favorite joke that I've ever written probably is, uh, you know, I talk about I oh, I, I got married at nineteen and I'm not even in the army and that always gets a hit. And yep. I go, when you get married young, people always assume one of two things: Mormon or military, and neither. I don't like big groups with secrets. And that's a good example of a joke that like 75% of the crowd likes, 25% of the crowd misses. But most of my comedian friends, that's one of their, they love that joke because it's pretty nuanced. That's a pretty yeah. smart little joke I wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, and uh, so it, I, I like that one a lot. And that's another one that I, it's very satisfying when you write a joke and it like does well online for you because you're like, this is a good representation of, of what yeah. I what I'm trying to be out here, you know. Do you have a sense of jokes like that where you're okay with a per- percent of the audience really getting it and a percent of the audience not getting it? Yeah, yeah, or not relating to it, but it's still yeah. the joke you want to tell. 
you know, yeah. I don't, if they're not getting it, then you haven't done your work. It's not, I haven't enough. done the work yet. Yeah. I yeah. have to, I haven't, I haven't dove into it, but if they're not fully relating to it, then I still will tell, like I have, I have, I'm not, you know, I have a jokes, some jokes right now that I'm uh, talking about, about why I love being a renter and why I never want to own a home. And, you know, and it, and it kind of like gets into about, about how millennials and, you know, into the economy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But so I, I tour primarily with two comedians, Taylor Tomlinson is who I mm-hmm. primarily tour with. She's like, we started open mics together. We've been friends for, well, we've been friends for like five, six years. When she first started, she was like 17. I was like, we're not friends. I'm a grown <laughs> adult man. We're not. I have, we have children. We yeah, don't. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, this, there's no friendship here. Um, but the, you know, when I tell the, the jokes about being renters and, you know, how, you know, like I don't, I'm never going to own a home and da 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 with her young crowd murders, brings the house down mm-hmm. to it for Nate's crowd. They're like, well, we're all homeowners. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're the landlords that you're making fun of in this joke. So oh, yeah. they laugh at it, but they don't res. It's kind of like when you tell parenting jokes to non-parents, they can laugh at it, but they don't like feel feel it the way that they do if, if those kids are theirs, you know? Oh, that's good. That's yeah. I mean, I, I think pastors do that when they do a marriage series and then they try to say like, and even if you're single, this will be helpful later. Yeah. Four years from now, they'll remember yeah. this sermon yeah. when they, yeah. if they get married, like, yeah, that's exactly no. what it is. No, like, they don't, they're not going to get it. It's not going to no. relate. And that's fine. Um, just, but, you can't be the only thing you do. There will always be jokes that are not for everybody up there and that's okay. You know, but, uh, you know, they still, they still have to understand it. They have to understand what you're trying to say. Totally. Totally. Well, only two last questions. I always ask, what would you put on your like Mount Rushmore of nonfiction books? Like, you know, and if you, if you go, you know what, I don't read a ton of nonfiction. You can answer the question. What's on your Mount Rushmore of current comedians that you're like, oh man, I, you know, Oh, These yeah. are people that I love. Um, or you might say, yeah, I read, you know, like I'm really into, you know, nonfiction books. These are the topics that keep me motivated. I don't want to assume everybody reads non. I'm a nerd that way. Like yeah. I love personal development books. Um, so yeah. feel free to answer it either way. Uh, well, hustle number one. Well, uh, it, I have to start. It's called, are you talking about start? I never wrote a, a book called, no, I never wrote a book called hustle. No, no, no. Did you? What was the book that you finish? Um, didn't you, or did you make a joke about wanting to call it Hustle, or the what was it? Thirty Days of Hustle. No, no, no. You had a. What was your book about where you talked about changing in the airport? Quitter. 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 Yes. Quitter. But you talk about in the in that. Oh, book, I talk about hustle a million times. Okay. And you talk about wanting to call the book hustle, but yeah, somebody, but it sounded too much like uh, like I was drug dealing. Yeah. Yes, I, the, yeah, yeah. So the title got the title Which, got squashed. Okay, there it is. So yeah, yeah there's yeah. the connection. Yeah, That's I wanted to, and they were like, see, I no. remember that book more than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I remember but that dude, part of it. Yeah, that was too early. Like I wanted to name that, but it hustle hadn't become a, a word people said on the internet really yet. Oh, like where yeah, side yeah, hustle yeah. hadn't been. Yeah. So you hustle were. was, that was, yeah. So I don't want to say profit, but whatever. Um, so quitter. Okay. That's one through four. That's, uh, <laughs> one through four. Yeah, yeah. that's one through four. I'm glad we did settle that because I was like, I kind of, I, I know I read that book, but I'm sorry. I forgot the title. That's so it. funny. Uh, you used the title. I wanted. That is true. That yeah. is. Yeah, I think you also I think you made a joke in there about like 
you don't want to explain to like your grandma or your mom or something what it means or something like well that. and i'd already st- i the first book i wrote stuff christians like the first chapter was about how christians um don't want jesus to come back before they get married um because yeah. they're like hey and my aunt said i had to read your book from the back to the front so that was her saying like my, you know like i couldn't i was like oh i'm sorry like yeah i didn't I really think of everything about that so yeah I, yeah I didn't want to name it hustle so okay then who are your four comedians right now so people are going to go oh man justin who should we be, keep an eye on uh so like current rushmore of like the best or yeah just like my or that you're enjoying or that you oh, recommend yeah. people yeah that's a good question if you want to uh, alienate any friends and leave them off the list uh, whatever i will say, helpful. I will say company excluded of people that i work with or are yeah. my friends maybe comedians that uh i i watch from afar keep in mind i don't um care if comedians are clean or dirty personally yeah, you're so filthy as a i'm, I'm like, a clean comic but yeah. i don't do that out of some moral reason yeah uh, i i do that because i like to make comedy that everybody can watch together and yeah. uh that that's why i i make clean comedy but i i enjoy uh all types of comedy um there's a guy named michael longfellow he's a He's a kid out here in California. He's from Arizona originally. Who's very, very funny. Uh, he's like he's a he's an up and comer. Um, I'll just name some of my favorite specials. Michelle Wolf's last special. I think Michelle Wolf is. I she makes me like cry laugh. Mm-hmm. I I think Michelle Wolf is so so funny. And even as big and as successful as she is, she, I still would categorize her as underrated. I uh, think she's that's so, a great compliment for somebody. Yeah. 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 Um, Brian Simpson, who is a friend and I started with, but he just had a Netflix special come out or he's on one of the 30s. Um, I he's, I think he's brilliant and prolific and uh, is like the, is just like going to be one of the great generational comics, you know? Um, and, you know, he's maybe he's trending on Twitter right now for people reasons that people may not like, uh, but uh, John Mulaney's new hour. I mean, I saw it a couple months ago and mm-hmm. I have, I don't think I've ever laughed that hard at a comedy show. I mean, I wow. was like hurting laughing. It was so, so funny. So those are four names that are all over the place. And, uh, but they're, those are just four comedians. I really, really like right now. Perfect. Perfect. Last question. Where can people find out more about the book, about your social platform, you know, yeah. social media and, or like your tour dates, where, yeah. you know, where do you want to send people? There's, I'm the, I'm the only Dustin Nickerson on the internet that I can it's find. So helpful. It's so helpful. Um, yeah. so my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook are Dustin Nickerson and my, uh, and, uh, Dustin Nickerson comedy on TikTok. All my tour dates are on my website, DustinNickerson.com. And the book is wherever you get books, how to be married to Melissa. Literally Google my name plus book. You're going to find it. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, I'm I love there, that. Baby. I love that. And I, like I said, I saw Dustin's last um, tour through Nashville hilarious um, my wife and i loved it it was super fun to go to i can't wait Thanks, to see you again with the with the new set um and it's just fun it's fun i've followed your career for years we've been kind of twitter friends content friends um at the last time you were in town uh, you said I, I said let's get together and you're like great and i was like what about 7 a.m at this coffee shop and you were yeah. like never in a million years no never absolutely in- not yeah if i'm asleep <laughs> yeah. by seven no, no, I'm asleep by seven. But uh, yeah, that was yeah. Very, that was a very funny offer. And you don't and you don't even like live. 
I was like staying in Nashville proper. So it was like, I would have had to leave at like 6.15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, as much as I make fun of like self, de- like self- personal development, people that are getting up at 3 a.m. and taking cold showers, yeah. I'm not far off. No, so no, no. Like, you're on the spectrum. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in that. Yeah. Where I was yeah. like, yeah, let's, after I've done my workout, let's meet at 7 a.m. And you're yeah. like, I'm in comedy. Yeah, um, yeah. If you and I meet for a meal, we'll be one meal off. You know what oh, I mean by that? Yeah. I'll get lunch and you'll be getting breakfast. I'll be getting breakfast. That's exactly <laughs> your dinner and your lunch. And then I'll be eating dinner around the time you're having your evening tea and reading <laughs> your your nonfiction book and going to bed. Exactly. Like trying to get enough <laughs> sleep. But I, the joke I haven't figured out yet that I'm trying to is that we're so addicted to tracking things. We even track our sleep so you can feel like a failure when you wake up. That's very so funny. that you can wake oh, up and yeah. be like, I, I failed sleep last night. Oh my, my tra- gosh, my, I'm such a loser. I'm such a loser. I didn't even know I was feeling last night while I was sleeping. Look at these numbers. That's, They're all over the place. Oh, that's very funny. Why? Yeah. Why does it matter? Like, did you sleep? Do you feel rested? Yeah, I feel yeah. great. But my watch told me I failed. Yeah, but this algorithm that I wear <laughs> to track how I'm like, I want to make sure I'm not failing at night while I'm asleep. That's just, very, very funny. Yeah. It feels a little intense. And so I haven't, I haven't cracked that one yet, but it's in the, it's in the. But I resonate the, with the premise. So we're, there see? you go. You got it. You got it, dude. Circle, you got it. Maybe. So awesome. Well, Dustin, thanks so much for joining me today, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to my interview today with Dustin Nickerson. We'll put all the links in the show notes as always. And thank you for reviewing my podcast. The reviews you guys write are super encouraging and I really, really, really appreciate that. So please make sure you follow or subscribe or whatever it is younger people that are cooler than me are telling you to do. Please do that thing. Um, That would be awesome. And please write a review. Last but not least, big thank you again to our sponsor, me, the newsletter. Five ideas to shout about. I was the sponsor. Amazing. Remember that's acuff.me slash newsletter acuff dot me slash newsletter that's it for this week i'll see you next monday and remember all it takes is a goal thanks for listening to learn more about the all it takes is a goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from john acuff visit acuff dot me slash podcast Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.